Oh, hello, everyone. Attention, tout le monde. Attention. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Um, if, if you all could uh, take your seats. Is this working, Dave? Okay. Um, I hope, uh, Matt, Matt, can you hear me in the back? You all? Can you hear? Is this all right? A bit louder or not? Okay, Scott, you can hear me. I don't know how to make it louder. How's this? Is this about right? Okay. Um, I'm uh, delighted to be part of the welcoming committee, and uh, uh, I think we should be aware that a conference like this is enormously complex from the standpoint of the logistics. I mean, just the toilets, the overflowings, the, the potential and not so potential um, hazards of having like 14 breakouts, a movie, plenary sessions, meals everywhere. Um, I just want to say to Jacob Smith, who probably can't be here at this moment, uh, a, a tremendous, and there's Melina, thank you for all that your staff are doing. And Martha here is married to the sort of um, Johnny on the spot for the parish who's working for us behind the scenes. Um, sorry you have to stand in the back. This is called uh, Just a Time Over Drinks. I'll speak for about 15 minutes, and then we'll just continue uh, our um, uh, libations until what time, Dave? Go in there at 6.45. We're going to go into the main, uh, the main the nave at 6.45. Great. Um, this is just a short um, chance to um, um, really offer just a few personal reflections on what I've been thinking about in the last year relevant to Mockingbird. It's a chance that David and the staff give me to just talk for 15 minutes uh, to ruminate with you about a few of the... Um, experiences and uh, reflections on the Mockingbird um, theological, uh, emotional, and philosophical legacy from my own uh, personal viewpoint. And that's what I'm going to do. As always, I circum for a landing. Um, the talk is in my head, but it's not written. And um, I was uh, um, having the uh, most interesting um, talk, I, I'm very close to some uh, rather marginal uh, business people, as it were, who have booths at the southwest corner of Union Square, just a few blocks from here. And they sell uh, bootleg uh, DVDs, high-end, one guy is high-end, and one guy, my favorite guy, is low-end. Uh, not vulgar, but low-end, Attack of the Crab Monsters, that sort of thing. And then um, there's a guy uh, who's the Eminence Grise of the outfit who sells CDs, again, and wonderfully bootlegged, and um, the, uh, um, I'm talking to these uh, men yesterday uh, who we would consider characters in a Damon Runyon story, or what used to be called kind of odd, um, marginal individuals, uh, and, um, but God's 
children. And um, I had bought the CD for um, The Sandpiper, which is uh, an Elmer Bernstein score from uh, 1964 uh, with starring um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. And in it, uh, Richard Burton plays a pitch-perfect Episcopal clergyman of the old school, low church, uh, patrician, very intelligent, very thoughtful, and he's the headmaster of an Episcopal school in um, Southern California. And um, it is a pitch-perfect demonstration of a good Episcopal minister who nevertheless has a fall from grace. And I was telling the purveyor of these CDs, well, um, this is such a brilliant picture of an Episcopal clergyman. And he said, yeah, he said, Reverend Paul, I I guess I hear you're one of them. I said, yes. And then he said, well, tell me this, um, why exactly did the Puritans break away from the Church of England in the 17th century? (laughs) I'm not kidding. I mean, it was a Balaam's ass type of situation. Uh, and he said, he said, I've always, I'm not kidding, this is exactly how it went. He said, I've always thought it was probably because of the, oh, overly Baroque liturgy of the, of the high church Anglicans. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I said, well, there's truth in what you say. <laughs> and he, 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 he I, I then reflected, but, you know, the Puritans lost that one. They founded this country in many ways, I think we could say it, but they lost it. And that uh, led me to reflect on the loss of um, uh, uh, struggle that the Puritans in the 17th century um, uh, experienced. Bear with me. Um, This will circle for a landing, God willing. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about um, a a book uh, that was written uh, by Christopher Hill called um, Milton and His Contemporaries, colon, Experiences of Defeat. And in it, Christopher Hill very uh, powerfully lays out the different strategies for dealing with defeat that the Puritans from the regicides, who were all hanged, drawn, and quartered, to the um, to John Milton, who was allowed to live in uh, quiet obscurity, to a number of the sectarians, all the different ways they dealt with an historic defeat of those things which they considered most important. Now, are you with me? They raised the question, this brilliant book called Milton and his contemporaries raised the question, how do you deal with um, success, let's say in terms of a cause or in terms of your life, that is then oddly followed by catastrophic defeat and eclipse? And it's a very interesting question. I wonder if any of you can identify with um, having made a, a breakthrough in your life, in your character, in your circumstances, in your professional success, in your marital hopes, in your uh, hopes with your children, uh, in overcoming an obstacle or a, a chronic illness or whatever you want to say, and have uh, 
been extremely um, uh, elevated by the experience of things going in an upward direction. And then, to your great surprise, you find that the um, table is pulled out from under you, or the tablecloth, and you're back at square one. Now, I say that because it's a it's a, it's a constant uh, issue I think about, um, and I want to talk about for just a minute uh, what the implications are of Mockingbird's low anthropology in connection with the possibility of supernatural intervention. That's my little subject. What is the connection between having a low, accurate diagnosis of what it is to be a human being on the one hand with the biblical conviction that uh, God is in fact nevertheless supernatural and is able because that's the question that I'm wrestling with and have been. I hope I've stated that clearly but that's the the issue. What is the connection between an accurate uh, understanding of human nature which Mockingbird really has and um, the possibility of a supernatural um, uh, healing or intervention. How do those two come together? Now, um, um, Mockingbird is uniquely um, uh, um, engaged with understanding human nature from an accurate Pauline viewpoint. And this is in some ways the um, novum, or shall I say the breakthrough element of Mockingbird initially, because we look at human nature as it is, not as we wish it would be. And you all know that the word liberalism, and I don't mean that politically, I mean that theologically and philosophically, is dominant and is based on the remedial character of human uh, 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 nature. And Milton and his contemporaries had to deal with uh, a shock uh, in which they understood once again that human nature is uh, able to regress. I want to read two um, short uh, statements um, uh, about the Mockingbird um, understanding of human nature. Um, One is from uh, Roger Scruton, who is um, a little controversial in England, but his philosophical position is to understand human brokenness. And this is what he wrote recently in an interview for which he got shafted. He said, one must recognize what all religious people know, which is that human beings are imperfect and fallen, and there's no way in which they alone can surmount the problems which they create. Now that is an astonishing uh, quote. I think David Zoll sent it to me. But I want to read another uh, quote uh, that uh, is similar to it by Taylor Caldwell. She was an American novelist who was extremely successful in the 50s and 60s, made an enormous amount of money, and lived very near where we're sitting. But she was also, um, she was probably the only major literary pop figure of her era who did not believe that human nature could self-correct. And Taylor Caldwell said this, the nature of human beings never changes. It is immutable. The present generation of children and the present generation of young adults from the age of 13 to 18 is no different from that of their great, great, grandparents. 
Now that's a, an extraordinary uh, thought, that your grandchildren have the same essential human um, fallibility as your great-great-grandparents. Now, um, that is a, a signal position in the understanding of the gospel, which has been so um, uh, illuminating and uh, revivifying for us, because we now understand that we are unable to self-correct, especially when it comes to compulsive problems. Compulsive temper, compulsive bitterness, compulsive loving in the wrong way, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, uh, compulsive, destructive, addictive, possibilities. Uh, and this has given to the Mockingbird ministry an odd compassion, because as soon as you realize that people are not fully able to help themselves where the rubber hits the road, you then decide that it's possible to have compassion, because in a way, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, um, I want to go one step further. The um, by the way, that was a brilliant talk uh, this morning. That chap named Klein, was that his name? Cohen. Kelly, what? Cohen. Alfie Cohen. Alfie Cohen. He said all this. But um, you, um, you, uh, if if our view of um, of human nature is correct, which it empirically it, it's unarguable, um, then uh, we have one other major problem, and that is the possibility of regression. You and I can make tremendous headway in all sorts of areas of our life, but at any point, there remains this odd and shocking possibility that we can fall 10,000 miles. Um, Tullian said something, Tullian Tavidian, that was very alarming recently on Instagram, but it's sadly true. He said, just remember, your worst sin, and he's 50, your worst sin may lie ahead of you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not gone with the wind. I mean, uh, you know, that, 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 that's, I'm perfectly happy to acknowledge that sins of the past, which require absolution, there's a, there's a bomb in Gilead. But to the, conceive the possibility of an acute regression, I know a wonderful person somewhere who, who left his family and his whole situation that was in every way successful, um, he succumbed to a temptation which was very real and uh, a well-known person, actually. Uh, and he, he left all his rootings behind uh, in his old age. And it was so shocking. And people don't like to hear it. Oh, that could never happen. But I, I know it. I, I, I know him. I, I talk to him all the time. Uh, and um, that doesn't mean he's removed from the grace of God. But it means that it is possible, given our view of human nature, to... Um, to fall off the cliff, uh, and that's why we're so nervous about sanctification. Didn't Charlotte Getz say today, today that she was a little worried that maybe she was talking sanctification? I thought that was so um, thoughtful of her. Now, um, so uh, that's point one. Um, point, and we'll stick to time. Uh, Point two, um, I want to say something that happened to me last Sunday. Uh, I get an enormous amount of um, either empty stares or embarrassment or uh, fidgeting or uh, quiet um, uh, <coughs> befuddlement when I say that I have personally 
heard the word of God through Paula White, who is a kind of televangelist who, as soon as I see the name, I'm, I'm, believe me, there's already bristling. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can sense it and I understand it. Uh, uh, but um, for all sorts of reasons, um, this is an odd thing, at least in my life, to say. But a, a, a typical thing happened uh, last week. She's what the world calls a lot of things, but let's simply say that she's a channel for um, a kind of sibylline uh, uh, um, word that comes through her almost in a kind of, uh, I'm, on, I'm one step away from being superstitious, but if the Bible is super, if, 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 if I weren't a Bible Christian, and the Bible Christian leaves all sorts of room for voices to speak to you from God, from unexpected sources. And I want to say something that happened last week and then raise the question again and then finish. She was, um, I went to, we'd already been to an Episcopal service that was wonderful but exhausting on Easter Sunday. TMI, we were just absolutely, you know, undone by liturgy after two hours. And Mary said, I just can't face anymore. And I understood that. But I wanted to go hear Paula on Easter Sunday at New Destiny Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. And as soon as I got in, I realized that she was sort of recycling a very powerful presentation that the church had offered last Easter. And I said, oh, shoot, she's not actually going to preach. She's just going to recycle a very powerful thing, but I'd already seen it. And then 20 minutes into it, this is what happened. She was talking about the scourging of Christ. And uh, she began to, she departed from her text, and she started going like this, as if this is the, the back of Christ, and this is the whip. And she said, when the whip the, at the first beat, your cancer started to dry up. Immediately, I, I, I was roused. What? At the first beat of the whip, your cancer started to dry up, she said. Then she said, at the second beat of the whip, your diabetic blood sugar count began to go down. I said, whoa, this is what John Stott used to call making the, the gap between what happened then and what happened now almost in an arch manner. Then she said, at the third beat of the whip, your depression began to, listen, to, 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 to lessen because by his stripes are we healed. And then she said, at the fourth beat, the curse of your family intergenerational neurosis began to lessen because by his stripes, can anyone quarrel with her text? You are healed. And then she said, shocking me, I don't care what the doctors say, his stripes heal you now. At that point, the roof came off. The roof literally came off. Everybody in the place, uh, it's an African-American Pentecostal congregation, and I don't know what to do. But I, 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 immediately, I, I immediately broke into tears, and I began to shake, because I myself had had a, a cancer scare uh, very recently. Uh, I'm, what? The can that's what, uh, it was like it was just a uh, flatliner, and suddenly, boop! And then uh, I also know about blood sugar, I don't know if anybody here knows, understands what the blood sugar count. And she had my attention. And then I thought to myself, well, why shouldn't she say that? 
because Isaiah said it. By his stripes, you are healed. And then she talked about other things, and I, I began to shake. And all the people around me began to, it, the, the place melted down. Now, um, I would say that that was, um, for me, God's direct word, because I personally identified, that had an overwhelming personal numinous effect. You know, we throw these words around, like numinous. Does it ever actually happen to you? I'm sure it has. Do you remember a television show in the 50s? You may not remember it, but it's called One Step Beyond. The song went, you've heard it all your life, even if you don't know the show. And inevitably in the show, somebody has a numinous experience of the beyond. And whether you want to call her this or that or anything else, I was direct, it was like the veil was rent in the temple, and God specifically said, Paul, but um um Now, it doesn't happen over every time, and it's not um, uh, cumulative, but I just want to say that I can, uh, I thought to myself, this is real as opposed to fake, only because I hear it. I, I heard God speaking, and that's why I began to shake. I literally began to shake, and I began to cry. Um, I was glad Mary wasn't with me. She's the best person who possibly could have been with me, but I was a little embarrassed for myself. And this lovely, sweet African-American person who was about 80 sitting to me on the right, and another African-American girl of about 16, they both simultaneously held my hand, (laughs) while this guy looking like I do now was just choking up. Well, all I want to say is, if it could happen last Sunday uh, to, to, to someone uh, like m- myself, then it must be possible. So the tension would exist. Do we leave room for the supernatural action of God while also understanding that there is a regressive genetic, psychological given in human nature, which is actually in some ways getting worse rather than better. And that's really my thought. I guess I want to sum up by saying that what I uh, have currently come, the way I've come to put it is that we, if we don't have an accurate view of human nature, everything else is phony. It, it, everything else we attempt to, to do, every attempt we, 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 every time we try to love somebody, if we don't have an accurate understanding of human nature, we will inevitably become what Ethan Richardson said was a snob, by which he meant a self-righteous human being, inevitably. And so the uh, uh, understanding of human nature as somewhat glacial, uh, um, um, Faulkner said it, And Galsworthy said it. They both said it in their Nobel Prize um, uh, speeches. Galsworthy, who died before he could give the speech, and Faulkner. The pace of change in human nature is glacial on the one hand. And on the other hand, if by his stripes we are healed, that must, unless it's a joke, must have to do with a person today. So that's what I wanted to say, and I thank you for listening.